And now is the time to listen to the Dhamma. Listening to the Dhamma at appropriate times is a blessing in one's life. Dhamma Sawanang, recollecting the Dhamma of the Lord Buddha. And this is a Nusati practice, a recollection practice to recollect the Dhamma. It's one of the Kamatanas, meditation objects that brings the mind to peace and samadhi. So for Buddhists who have faith and belief already, have planted that seed of faith in the Buddha, in the Dhamma, in the Sangha, to make it firm and well-established, to grow and increase that faith. Because we see that this quality of faith, it can change. It's possible that it can fade or reduce so if we have faith already, we need to cultivate wisdom as well to make the faith firmly established, to give rise to wisdom bit by bit, to make that faith grow, to make it more firm, more unshakable, like a tree that has bark already, to make that tree firm, well-established, it needs to have wisdom, which is the heartwood. And how do we give rise to wisdom? What well, arises from right view? We see that Venerable Anya Kondanya, Brahmin, and the group, and four ascetics together making the group of five, they had a lot of faith. They attended the Buddha for six years when the Buddha was seeking awakening. And Venerable Anya Kondanya also waited for the Buddha to ordain since the Buddha was born waited 29 years, waiting for the Buddha to leave home to seek out the ending of suffering. And so he had a lot of faith and attended the Buddha for the six years that he was practicing, so for a total of 35 years. But then when the Buddha went to eat food after having practiced torturing the body for a long time, because the Buddha saw that this wasn't the way to the end of suffering. And so his faith in the Buddha increased when he saw that he'd eaten food. But the Buddha understood that that wasn't the way to practice because it didn't lead to awakening. And so when the Buddha was alone, he contemplated there was no one there with him, no one on the outside. And on the inside, the mind of the Buddha went into samadhi into collectedness. From initial samadhi, it all, all the way up to the eighth jhana, the Buddha had attained already. So the Buddha contemplated, contemplated the Dhamma, all, contemplated all things that arise from causes. Then he went to teach the five ascetics what he had awakened to. So Venerable Anya Kandanya, Brahman, had such supreme faith like that to attend to the Buddha for so long. But even so, when the Buddha came to teach, he wasn't willing to listen. But then the Buddha said to him, I have awakened to and attained to the Dhamma. Have you ever heard this before, that the Tathagata has realized the supreme Dhamma? And so Venerable Anya Kandanya considered and asked his four companions, and they decided to listen to the Buddha first and see what he had to say. 
if what he had to say wasn't worthwhile, they could just go away and continue to seek the ending of suffering without him. So they had a lot of faith, but they didn't yet have wisdom. But wisdom arose when they listened to the Dhamma for the first time. The Dhamma that all things that are of the nature to arise are of the nature to cease. And hearing this first teaching, Anya Kandanya was able to see the Dhamma become the first awakened Sangha in the world, making the triple gem of the Buddha Dhamma Sangha complete in the world. So we see that for faith to be firmly established, it's up to wisdom. Because all of you have faith already. But in our lives, we have things that happen to us or things that arise that are able to reduce the faith in the mind. So we have to be careful about this. We have to study and learn to increase our faith every day. And we can use the method of contemplating, contemplating the things that arise in our lives to bring about samadhi, to cultivate samadhi, to make the mind firmly established, to develop to wisdom. In the beginning, we have samadhi sometimes and sometimes not. That's normal. So we persevere. We have effort. Wherever we have effort, that's where success is to be found. So we have effort and perseverance. We train and practice and train our minds with our kamatana meditation object, with whether it's budo, dhammo, sango, or the in and out breathing, or contemplation, uh, do it, and do it a lot. We see that the mind grows according to different levels with faith in the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha. We have faith in the Dhamma teachings of the Buddha, like generosity. And this can bring the mind to having joy all the time. We have the practices of respect and reverence, like bowing, in the beginning, we bow to the Buddha Dhamma Sangha, but then we consider on a deeper level what is the Buddha. The Buddha is the joyful one, the awakened one, the one who knows. It's a mind that's pure. The Dhamma statue is just a representative. It's a physical form that we see. It's a perception. We contemplate the qualities of the Buddha of great purity, great compassion, great wisdom. Then in terms of the Dhamma, initially we think that it's the texts, the books. Then deeper than that, we consider that the Dhamma is the supreme truth, the highest truth, that everything is empty. And so we see that the Buddha and the Dhamma are the same. Then we contemplate the Sangha on the level of convention and on the level of liberation. On the ultimate level, laity can be sangha as well, can be free from suffering as well. Just like we study in the texts, for instance, there's some young novices, like 16 or 17 years old, they're very excellent in the Pali language. It's not just bhikkhus that are uh, well studied or skilled in the Pali language, but novices as well and laity as well. It's something that lay people are able to do. Like in the Buddha's time, there were many 
laity that realize, realize noble stages of awakening. This arises based on parami, spiritual virtues that we've built in past lives. So you've built parami as well to have the faith to do merit and goodness, like listening to the Dhamma like we are now. This is something that is able to abandon the defilements in the heart. Because if we go about watching television or movies, listening to music, getting lost in all the various sights and sounds and smells and tastes and touches and mind objects, the mind can feel at ease in this way, just letting the mind go to follow after all these objects of the six senses, all these uh, objects that we come into contact with. But we see that this is a craving for sensuality, or kama tanha, also bhava tanha, craving for becoming, and we bhava tanha, craving for not becoming. And these are the cravings that have held the mind under its sway for a very long time already. It's something that has followed us through every lifetime into this present lifetime as well. So the parami that you've built in the past is a blessing in your life, that you have this interest in the Dhamma to study and learn, to seek out knowledge and the teachings of the Buddha. In the beginning, we practice, start to train our minds, for instance, by coming to the monastery or using our various meditation objects to help us cultivate mindfulness, to cultivate the Noble Eightfold Path, this path of sila, samadhi, and panya, virtue, collectedness, and wisdom. And we develop the mind according to various levels, the cultivation of generosity, the practice of the five precepts, we make effort to do them, to make these practices firm and well-established to make the five precepts well established in our lives. Like on the Lunar Observance Day, we set our hearts to do the five precepts or the eight precepts. For instance, today is the 15th lunar day, the new moon. We can undertake the eight precepts on this day, which gives us more time to practice. If we wait until we're finished with our work to come practice, then we end up wasting a lot of time in that day. So during the day, whenever we have time, we can have, for instance, uh, mala beans. We can count our meditation word, like itipiso, and cultivate mindfulness, cultivate loving-kindness, to bring the mind to peace and collectedness. And this gives rise to strength and energy in our daily lives. Because the seeking out of material wealth for the care of our own bodies, for the care of our family. It's something necessary because we need these four requisites of food, clothing, shelter, and medicine in order to live. If we didn't have the four requisites, we would suffer too much. and Meditation would be difficult. It's just like the Sangha, when the feelings in the body are too strong, then they can't meditate. The Buddha went to help a monk who had very strong bodily feelings and helped those feelings to reduce. 
In this way, that monk was able to gather his mind and realize arahantship. So we see that these four requisites are necessary. But then we seek out something that's even more valuable than that material wealth, which is the wealth of the Dhamma, to bring the mind to samadhi, to collectedness. So we set our hearts to do this every day. If we're someone who gets angry, we set our heart to not get angry. And if we're, we still get angry, but we have the intention not to be angry, to give forgiveness. If we have a lot of greed, we have the intention not to get lost in clinging and to consider that all lives end in death. We don't know what time we'll die, where we'll die, how we'll die, what disease we'll die with. We don't know. But we see this all the time. We see that young people die before adolescence, while still a child, or adolescents die, adults die. We see this all the time. So we contemplate that the time we have left in this world is not a lot. If we live to the age of 80, how many years do we have left? So think about this and contemplate this to bring the mind to heedfulness, to seek out the Dhamma. Because the seeking of the Dhamma is of great importance. It's seeking out that which is supreme, that which is the highest which is able to wash off the defilements, to abandon the defilements in the mind. So we see that Venerable Anyakandanya had full samadhi, the five ascetics had well-cultivated samadhi, and Anyakandanya was able to contemplate everything that's of the nature to arise, is of the nature to cease. This is what the Buddha taught, and he was able to know it. And all of us see this in our daily lives. We see it, and we know about it. We see arising and ceasing all the time, but we don't really see, we don't really know, we don't understand. We just have it on the level of perception and memory, but we don't actually know it. <clears throat> but we don't actually know it. So we think and contemplate that it's not self. We have these physical forms that we use, and we can think that they're not self, like the body, and we can accept that, but we don't really see it, because deep down that sense of self is deeply embedded in the heart. But it is possible where we are able to practice to destroy these three fetters of personality view, clinging to rites and rituals and skeptical doubt, these fetters which bind the heart. And these first three fetters are that which we abandon in the first stage. And these three fetters are very firmly embedded in the mind. That sense of self, the Sakaya Ditti, is very firmly embedded, very deep in the heart. The personality view is stuck firmly in the heart, and it arises very quickly. And so that is the nature of ignorance. But we try to have effort and persevere with it, to keep practicing. However firmly embedded personality view is in the mind, we are able to abandon it. Why is that? Why is it possible? Well, it's because the defilements in the mind are not one thing. They're two different things. It's just that the mind intermingles with the defilements constantly. And that's what leads the defilements to be firmly stuck in the mind.
the Lord Buddha was able to know, able to destroy all defilement in his mind. And all Sangha, whether lay females, lay males, uh, male monastics, female monastics, are able to destroy the defilements in the same way. We see that even nowadays there are many fully awakened beings, many arahants, from Venerable Ajahn Mun to Venerable Ajahn Chah, Venerable Ajahn Sao, and many great elders in the present day that were able to destroy all defilement as well. And there's also many who are able to see the Dhamma in the present day as well, from the levels of stream entry to once returnership to non-returnership. There are many like this. So we don't know how much parami we've built in the past, whether it's a lot or a little, but we know that we've built it. And so whatever the case, we do a lot of parami, make a lot of parami in the present in order to be able to destroy the defilements. So we practice to contemplate every single day, to contemplate with our meditation object every day, not to be heedless in our daily lives. Whenever we have time, we seek out the Dhamma, and we do it with mindfulness. Because the meaning of seeking the Dhamma here is to have mindfulness, to cultivate the four foundations of mindfulness, the four foundations of the body, the feelings, the mind, and Dhammas. For instance, knowing the in and out breath, knowing the movements of the body, this is the first foundation of bodily mindfulness. Before we were able to see it, but we don't understand it. Or before I didn't understand why was the breath part of bodily mindfulness. Well, it's because the air element is one of the natural elements of earth, air, fire, and water. So this material form, we have mindfulness to know it. And the meaning of that is to have mindfulness, have recollection, to give rise to mindfulness. However much we're mindful, that's how close we are to the Buddha. That's a teaching of Venerable Ajahn Chah. And when we practice for ourselves, we see that truth for ourselves. That however mindful we are, that's how close we are to the Buddha. So this is not being heedless but to have a lot of mindfulness, to have good mindfulness, to have mindfulness in clear comprehension, to have mindfulness in our work, to have mindfulness in our speech, to have mindfulness in our activities, mindfulness in listening to the Dhamma. Because if we don't have mindfulness and just let our mind follow after other objects, we don't know what we're listening to then we only receive the flavor of Dhamma a little bit. But when we have mindfulness with listening to the Dhamma, it's possible to see the Dhamma while listening to the Dhamma. Just like the first discourse Venerable Anya Kandanya had firmly established mindfulness, so he's able to see the Dhamma during that discourse. The other four ascetics, their mindfulness was not complete at that time. And so they didn't see the Dhamma. But Venerable Anya Kandanya saw the Dhamma and he told his four companions, I was able to see the Dhamma, it's like this. Then that group of five ascetics became interested in listening to the Dhamma. Then they were able to see the Dhamma every day 
according to their level. Over the next five days, they all realized stream entry after that first discourse. But they were stream enterers with a very high level of parami. They listened to the Dhamma straight from the Buddha as well. So they had the Dhamma, saw the Dhamma of arising, staying for a while and ceasing. And this is something that we don't see, but we know about, but we don't know it enough. Because whenever we meet with a sense impression, greed, aversion, and delusion arises right there. And because greed, aversion, and delusion arise, we must practice meditation, listen to the Dhamma intently to give rise to wisdom, to reduce our doubts, to cultivate our meditation object and grow in mental cultivation, to progress, to bring about a mind that's joyful and radiant. So we see that meditation is very important. And while listening to Dhamma, we can contemplate and see the Dhamma, see convention. Because every day we see convention a lot. We meet with a lot of things in the world. But we have to build wisdom even more to build it uh, step by step. Because we meet with sense impressions and we think, oh, this is beautiful. This is attractive. And when we think that, we should tell ourselves it's not sure, it's impermanent, it's not stable. This is having wisdom. If we like something, we say it's not sure, it's impermanent. If we dislike something, we say it's not sure, it's impermanent. And seeing unsurety, seeing impermanence, this is the object of vipassana practice, clear seeing practice. We see it. We practice to see in this way in order to give rise to a mind of peace and collectedness, of samatha. This is wisdom that gives rise to samadhi. And once the mind is in samadhi, then wisdom can arise once again to give rise to clear seeing. And this clear seeing is not to be found anywhere else. It's right here in this very body and mind. And when this happens, then faith becomes stronger. We have effort effort and firm intent. Sometimes we listen to the teachings, we feel very refreshed in the mind. And so we set our hearts to follow them. We want to practice following after the meditation masters, following after the great teacher, following in their footsteps, following after me, for instance, in order to see the Dhamma in this very life, the practice renunciation to have renunciation as a quality in one's heart, to set one's heart on practice, to practice generosity and virtue, the benefits of which are is happiness. Just like Venerable Yasa listened to a graduated discourse from the Buddha on generosity, the benefits of generosity, virtue, the benefits of virtue. And he was a son of a very wealthy family, so he knew about the pleasures that could come from this. But he also saw that this pleasure is impermanent. So he came to listen to the Buddha. He had renunciation in his heart to the point where his heart gathered in samadhi and stillness. And he had practiced asubha, seeing the not attractive aspects. He had practiced that already. He saw the agitation and chaos in sense objects. 
and he saw that this pleasure that he knew already was subject to change because he had practiced already in the past. And so he was ready. He was from a very wealthy family. He became, became weary of the things he could gain from that. Just like all of you as lay people, you see everything as impermanent. You see it as wearisome. And therefore you seek that which is stable, that which is better, which is to say Nibbana, which is the Dhamma. So therefore we practice mindfulness, practice to give rise to Samadhi, to make it firm. Just like Venerable Yasa was ready, and so he came to listen to the Dhamma. And when his mind was ready, he heard the Four Noble Truths, and he was able to see the Dhamma during that first teaching. During the second teaching he heard, he realized arahantship. <coughs> so this is miraculous. This is amazing. Listening to the Dhamma, one is able to attain to the Dhamma like this. In the beginning, we do this gradually, bit by bit. Reduce the defilements gradually, bit by bit. Because these kilesas are very firmly embedded in the mind, and they've been there for a long time. And so while we listen to the Dhamma, we practice to let go of the defilements gradually, to gradually reduce Sakaya Didi, personality view in the heart, in order to ultimately destroy it and abandon it. We see that this practice, it's a battle between the defilements and the Dhamma, because these Dhamma teachings are coming into the mind but the mind isn't truly accepting them. But it's actually the kilesas that aren't accepting the teachings. Because the mind has been a slave or servant to the defilements for a very long time already. But then we see it's better to be a servant to the Buddha. We're already servants to the defilements of greed, aversion, and delusion. So better to be a servant of the Buddha, Dhamma Sangha, of emptiness, but the defilements won't accept this. They want you to be a servant to chaos, to doubt, to agitation, to anger, to heat. They don't want you to be a servant of coolness. And so therefore there's a battle going on in the mind between the path and the defilements. This is something that can be difficult. So we keep walking the path of the Dhamma then there's the kilesas, the defilements keep fighting back. So therefore we need to cultivate samadhi to contemplate, to give rise to wisdom. And when we practice samadhi and my, samadhi mindfulness and wisdom like this, sometimes samadhi degrades, wisdom degrades, and the kilesas, the defilement sees that opportunity to arise in that moment. Whenever the path qualities reduce, that's where the defilements arise. So we have to practice every single day. It's just like we eat every day, we drink water every day. We breathe all the time, take in air all the time. And therefore we need to drink samadhi, drink mindfulness, drink wisdom, drink virtue all the time, drink generosity. We need to take in the Dhamma a lot. We see, we practice generosity, we practice virtue. In practicing virtue, there's no need to 
spend any money, no need to have any wealth. Same with samadhi, there's no need to have material wealth for that. The same with mindfulness. So we contemplate like this. One day the mind will be able to gather together to see everything as convention, to see that everything in the world is all empty, it's not truly there. Knowledge arises, wisdom arises. One is able to abandon the defilements in the mind. These things that are very firmly embedded in the heart, one is able to abandon them and see the Dhamma. This is something that we're all capable of doing. It's not beyond your ability. So therefore, may you have effort and perseverance in this practice. All of you have the chance and the time, the opportunity to see the Dhamma. So I wish you all success. May you all grow in blessings and grow in Dhamma.